wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. Tonight's uh, guest is uh, Tim Wells, the Slock Master. Spear hunting is extremely difficult. If you're not prepared mentally for it, as well as you have to have a game plan, you got to know how to spear hunt. If you don't, your success rate will be worse than it is anyway. And it's even if you know what you're doing, it's going to be hard. Your clothing is very important. When you're spear hunting, you want to make sure that in a quiet room, when you do a throwing motion in that clothing, that it doesn't make any noise when that elbow goes across your waist because you're going to give yourself away if you do. I love the outdoors and whether I got a blowgun or a a pellet rifle or even a uh, high-powered rifle, hunting's hunting. That's right, man. You told me I could only hunt with a, a rock the rest of my life. You wouldn't stop me, but if you'd permit me to do it, I'll keep hunting with a rock and I'll figure out a way to be successful once in a while. Welcome to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Now for your host, Stephen Robbins. All right, guys and gals, welcome to another episode of Hunting Day. And let me tell you what, tonight's uh, guest is uh, is a pretty special one. And uh, I know a lot of people are going to know this guy. And uh, his name is Tim Wells, and he is the slock master. Tim, how you doing tonight? <laughs> Pretty good, man. I'm doing good. How about you, Steve? I'm doing good. I really appreciate you coming on here and uh, taking time to uh, talk to me and talk to my listeners. Well, that's good, man. And, uh, the East Coast is uh, not really my stomping grounds, except when I get out there to hunt stingrays with you or something, but uh, occasionally I do. And... Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back out there soon. Yeah, man. Now's the time to do it. Uh, I actually had a trip booked with Kenny that I had to postpone because all I do is seem to uh, work all the time. But um, we definitely need to get you back out here and uh, get after the Rays and the Cobia. Yeah, I wonder how old Kenny's doing. That's uh, That was fun when I went out there with him. I think we speared 20 or so stingrays that was pretty neat and got some big old uh, cobia that was fun there's cobia season open now yeah it's open and uh he's actually doing really good and he's having a great season i keep up with him uh right much and he's uh he's slaying them right now fish freaks or something like that right yep. that's the name of his boat fish yeah. freaks yeah. yep yes sir yeah so you uh you've been doing a lot of slocking here lately i see a lot of posts with the uh with the blowgun the spear what's uh yeah, what, what was yeah. the last hunt you were on well actually the last time i was on was in argentina though that was last week and i was down there bird hunting so we shot a lot of ducks and doves and pigeons with the bow that was pretty exciting and uh got some cool video and i didn't i was going to do some hog hunting with my spear down there but it was a full moon and uh we just could not you know get any any daylight video so we opted out on that okay now when yeah. you're spear hunting i've i've gone a couple times actually i've gone a lot <laughs> and uh i've had two misses with the throw with throwing the spear what are some like what do you do i mean i know a lot of what you do comes natural but how do you prepare for throwing a spear at an animal spear hunting is uh extremely difficult and uh if you're not you know prepared 
uh, mentally for it as well as, you know, you, you have to have a game plan. You got to know how to spear hunt. Uh, cause if you don't, your success rate will be worse than it is anyway. And it's, even if you know what you're doing, it's going to be hard. So for example, pigs, you know, uh, if you can fool a pig, which, uh, you probably will because there's so many of them, but one-on-one they're like a coyote. They're really hard to fool because they're a smart creature. Okay. And they have really good sense. You know, they can hear and they can smell really well. So what I do is, uh, I, I, I figure out every position where, wherever I'm going to be hunting from a stationary position, preferably from a tree or, you know, a cliff or something. I try to make sure that, you know, their peripheral vision, uh, their sense of smell, and obviously I have to beat their sense of hearing as well. But, you know, holding still and not throwing until the right time is best. But to beat their sense of smell, for a hog, you're, you're going to, obviously you're going to bait him. And, and whether you're hunting him into the darkness of night or during the day, you want that pig to approach the bait and never cross your tracks or your scent that's coming off you in the tree. And to do that, you have to, first of all, you got to kind of take a good guess where you think he's bedded or what direction he'll come from. And most places we hunt as hunters, we know where the game will most likely come from. So you have to position your bait, uh, so that the, per- the, you know, the dominant wind is going to be blowing at the hog's back as he approaches from the place he slept. And as he comes, he has to encounter that bait prior to, you know, swinging downwind of the tree. In other words, he should never have to cut your wind to get to the bait. Okay. Come from behind, from the side, you probably won't fool a hog. And, uh, so that's the first thing I do. I set my bait according to the wind, according to the predominant wind, according to where he beds, and that's the first step in you know that I take. Then the next thing is is peripheral vision. You know, once you get a pig into bow range, the hunt just starts, you know, with a spear. So you're you're a long ways from being done when you when he gets into fifteen yards. You need him straight down. And I like him at ten yard or ten feet. 10 to 12 feet straight down. And so I look for an overhanging limb or something that puts me out away from the trunk of the tree is the best bet. Okay. Because you don't want to hunt them from like a ladder stand because even though they may come into the corn, they may have, if you had the corn there for weeks and weeks, but they don't like to get up against that steel stand, you know, you yeah. may find some rub marks on it or something, but you want to be hanging out over the tree away from the main trunk. So when they come in there, they, they don't, they're not discouraged about this, something that this blob that they see up in the tree, uh, they're just going to come in there and start feeding. And so I put my bait so that when they do come in, I can throw straight down. And when you climb in the tree, never, you will never want to walk out there where your bait is because an old boar, he's going to pick up on whatever you got on your shoes and he's going to skedaddle till dark. Yeah. So then when you get free prior to hunting, I always make sure that I have something under the spear area. So when the hogs come in, there's a bunch of leaves or you put some branches so that all their peripheral vision on the outside edge is, is kind of blocked or at least you're shaded 
so that when that pig's coming in there at 10 yards, he can't see you in the tree. And there's a hole that you're going to, you're, you're channeling him into. A lot of guys do that with bears. They'll bait them so that their head goes into a certain position and exposes their vitals. You're doing the same thing. You're blocking their, their vision. I do that on deer and I've done it on uh, axis deer and psycho deer and elk. It works really good. You have all this, these branches underneath your tree stand. Everything's blocked off except the little hole that you're going to throw through. And the hole is straight down. So by the time that animal walks in under your tree stand, his peripheral vision no longer can capture you because he can't look, he, he won't be looking straight up. Now, if you move when his head's up, odds are he's going to see that. Yeah. But if you wait till he puts his nose in the bait or you let him walk into the hole so that his head is blocked, his peripheral vision is blocked by the leaves of the, that you put below your tree stand, so all you're looking at, and he can see it when you raise your arm, is nothing because his head's under the branches, but there's the clear hole that you made, and there's his vital. Okay. And I killed a ton of animals by doing that. Yeah. And uh, especially African animals, you know. Uh, when I go to Africa, every every chance I get to spear them, I will, because uh, once you master how to do it, uh, those African animals are – uh, primarily, you know, daytime animals, and and they'll come to bait. And if you, uh, you know, if, if there there's two types of animals, there's grazers and then there's browsers. Now, a browser like a kudu, when he comes into bait, he will he will pick you out of the tree if you're you're not in that tree properly. And I I build what's called a squirrel nest around me. I make sure that their peripheral vision when they're looking in that tree. It's completely blocked 360 degrees around me. Okay. You know, there's enough that I can see through it. I can see what's coming, but when they look up there, there is no longer a silhouette. Yeah. And your animals in Africa, for example, that are browsers, you know, they eat their whole life. They eat from the, the ground. They eat from the trees, from the bushes. So they're always looking around. They're very uh, cognizant of their surroundings and predation that occurs above them or beside them or under them. So that they got 360 degrees covered and they're really hard to spear. So if you're hunting those type of animals, you have to have a real good squirrel nest. Now the other animal is the grazers. All right, so you get your Cape Buffalo, you got your zebra, your wildebeest, uh, impala, these type of animals. When they come, they're used to feeding with their head down off the ground and they will walk right underneath your tree stand. But a kudu, a uh, nyala, uh, these type of animals, they're browsers, so they are really extremely good at seeing you in the tree. And sometimes you don't even have to be moving. They'll just pick you right out of the tree if you're not brushed in good enough. Okay. You bait them the same way you would bait a hog, and you build yourself a squirrel nest around you, nothing but brush so that you can spear down on them. And you have to make sure that the top of your your hide is open because you're going to raise that seven foot long spear up above your head. And if it touches anything up there, their sense of hearing will pick up on that little tiny click. And, you know, even the browsers and the grazers both will pick you out of the tree at that point. So, you know, that's really important. And, and if you play the wind, like I said, and you know where they're coming from and you put your bait accordingly on the side of the tree or, you know, cliff, whatever it might be, uh, you have a lot of luck that way. I killed some animals last year uh, from a cliff. That was kind of fun. I tried to 
kill one with a boulder and drop it on them. But um, it was that was a uh, that was a Nyala, a female Nyala, and she her she's a she's a browser. Yeah, and uh, her head down, and I was straight above her, but. You know, this just takes that big rock a long time to travel that short distance. And uh, she's wheeled and jumped to the side as that rock smashed right where she was right where she was feeding and she got away. But I speared some from that cliff. I speared a kudu cow and a Nyala cow and uh, uh, had some luck in Africa doing it with that technique. And it worked really good. And you apply that to whitetails and... Um, you know, pretty much elk, anything in, in, in the United States, you can kill them readily that way. Yeah. I got to say, you make it look really easy. And I and I know that it's easy for you because you're really good at it and you're naturally just a really good hunter. But uh, I bought your spears and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go spear a ram. And it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. And I made a lot of mistakes, and a lot of which you just pointed out. I was in a ladder stand, and I wasn't brushed in. And he wasn't within 10 steps. He was actually more like 15 yards, and I thought I could throw it at him. And that was not the case at all. Man, you want to be dropping your spear. You you don't want any, you know, any sudden movements that they're going to their peripheral vision going to pick up or they're going to hear your clothing is a very important unlike when you're bow hunting you know when you're when you're spear hunting you want to make sure that in a quiet room when you do a throwing motion in that in that clothing that it doesn't make any noise when that elbow goes across your your waist and uh, you have to have the right kind of outside layer it needs to be a real soft uh, you know, material that when you brush it against each other, it doesn't make any noise at all because you're going to give yourself away if you do. That makes a lot of sense. It really does. Yeah. I know when I went down to Texas, well, and uh, I, if you remember me texting you that I was going to go after a scimitar oryx, well, I did, and I he was he was a little closer than the 15 yard ram but he was still he wasn't a drop he was a throw and same thing by the time the spear got to where i was throwing it it went where i wanted it to but he was gone by the time it got there you know one of your greatest enemies when spear hunting is uh the wind if you don't have a wind at all it's even hard to drop your spears on on animals uh, their acute sense of, of hearing and, and vision is, you know, immaculate compared to ours. But uh, the primary time to spear, if I lived in Texas, I wouldn't even try to spear an animal on days where there's no wind. But the days where they're calling for 10-mile-an-hour wind or stronger is the day that I know I can beat them, uh, you know, if they come to the bait. And that totally disorients all their senses when they come in with wind and those kind of days when you got leaves in the tree and they're moving and everything's moving around, you can actually throw and kill animals, uh, you know, beyond 10, 15 yards. If you're good enough, you know, if you got a good arm for that. Yeah. And I just build a new spear. Um, I build a spear. I call it the, the sparrow. And, uh, I made it a lot like an atlatl spear, uh, only bigger and heavier. So it's got fins on it. So you can throw it 15, 20 yards and it doesn't, uh, it doesn't turn cause it's like a giant arrow and it's a, it's a killer. I'm going to, 
use it uh, next next year uh, when I go to New Zealand because there's a lot of animals that hang around the cliffs there. Uh, there's you know there's goats and there's pigs and sometimes you can actually catch uh, a, a red stag or a psyca uh, along the cliffs, uh, but you may have to throw 50, 100 yards, you know, straight down. Uh, though they may be out 10, 15 yards, you're just throwing straight down at them. So with that new spear, I think that, you know, throwing those long distances and down the mountain at them uh, with a camera on, it's going to be spectacular if I uh, you know, have some success. I think you will, because um, I saw your video on YouTube of the uh, Sparrow, and I immediately told April, I said, as soon as that's available, I want one, <laughs> because you come out with some of the, I think, some of the most innovative uh, hunting weapons, but they're very primitive in nature as well, and so I've, I've always said you think outside the box, and... I'm sure a lot of the listeners here have seen a lot of your videos. I mean, you've killed stuff with uh, with throwing knives. You've killed things with uh, spears, blowguns. You shoot stuff out of the air with bows. I mean, it's you're <laughs> you're pretty badass. <laughs> so, um, this is me being. I'm a, old, man. Old. Uh, I've been throwing. I've been throwing at animals since I was about five years old when I grew up in the country. I didn't have any neighbors within two miles, and my dog was my only friend, and the gravel road next to the house was, I'd walk it because uh, there was it was white rock, and it was that two-inch uh, white rock, and that's what they graveled the road back in the day where I lived in the middle of the sticks. and They were the perfect throwing size for me, so I'd walk along the high lines and try to kill swallows that were sitting on the high lines and uh you know then i i learned to shoot a bb gun and i always pulled horse weeds out of the the, the barnyard and uh the horse weed was a long dry uh perfectly straight uh weed that when you pull it out of wet ground if the ground was wet underneath it it made a long pointy uh root that was rock hard and looked just like a spear or more like a javelin and uh, as a kid, I loved throwing those those spears, and I'd go down to the creek, and you know, I would uh, spear chubs and carp and stuff like that. A lot of times, I was just jabbing them, but I I learned to throw it, and you know, it stuck with me. And then when I I got older and uh, went to college and played football, but I was really really good at track, and I was a good javelin thrower, and ultimately, I was the track captain, and you know competed uh, nationally and and found a little success paid my way through college with a spear uh, you know it was a javelin but uh, when I got out of college then I took that spear brought it home cut the end off of it and took took that javelin and turned it into a spear and went down to South Texas and uh, found that I had a little niche there that I really enjoyed and that was spear hunting killed some pigs and killed some deer wasn't supposed to but uh <laughs> That's what I did, and uh, I think I've that's been forty some years. So I think the statutes of limitations is over. They can't get me now that I've admitted that. But, uh, <laughs> I <laughs> killed some goats too, and and I've been killing stuff ever since. Heck yeah, I like it, man. If my listeners wanted to get a hold of you on Facebook and Instagram, what's the best way to get a hold of you? 
Tim Wells Slockmaster on Instagram, and you can do the Tim Wells Slockmaster on uh, Facebook. Or you can just jump right on my website, slockmaster.com, and all the links are right there. You can just click on them and go there, whether it's my YouTube channel or wherever it might be. You can uh, sure reach out to me. Well, Tim, I definitely appreciate right. you. Yeah, hey, you take care and tell everybody out there. We'll see them soon. All right. And to our listeners, we thank you for listening. And as always, keep hunting and keep doing what God calls you to do. Thank you for listening to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe. If you'd like to follow, you can find Stephen on Instagram at Stephen Hunt Day and Facebook at Stephen Robbins HD. If you'd like to reach Stephen, you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com.